What's going on, guys? And welcome to a very special preview podcast. Uh, we are going to be talking about Ant-Man this week. So, in the vein of Ant-Man, we are going to have our smallest ensemble for our smallest hero. Today we have me, Booster Greg, and TV's Casey. Hey! So, Casey, in the vein of Ant-Man, and the fact that I don't want to talk about the movie without all the other guys and girl, um, let's just talk about comics. Let's, let's do what we do and talk about some, some Ant-Man comics. Greater words were never spoken on this podcast. <laughs> all the listeners are like, fuck, I thought it was supposed to be with the movie, not comics again. Damn it. <laughs> I thought we were well, going to we do that. F- we fooled you, fans. Yes. Uh, so if you're listening and you don't like comics, you can shut us off now. <laughs> but don't, because but please don't. We, we might make you laugh. And we, we, that's that's what we're really doing this for. You might you might enjoy You might learn a thing or two about Ant-Man that you didn't know that you can bring when you see Ant-Man. And all your friends are like, wow, I didn't know that. You're so cool. And yeah, like, or hey, Thanks. that's a reference to that thing. It's a reference to the thing, the person who's not really the person, but he's a little older. Um, anyways, so Casey, when, when they announced that it was Scott Lang being Ant-Man, um, I don't know how you felt. I felt like it was kind of a jump in the gun a little bit uh, because everyone knows Hank Pym is the first Ant-Man. That's right. And they, they took a very, I would say, you know, based on the previews and based on the casting, a very, uh, batman beyond uh direction with with the movie and it, it's a great story i mean obviously it's it's basically it's loose it's i can't even talk right now it is based loosely on uh to catch an ant-man which is which is a good story and it's a lot of people's favorite but this is what i want to ask you this is a very long way of me asking you yes. what is your favorite ant-man story um well that's that's tough because uh, I have read. Well, I mean, I've I think I've read almost all of Scott Lang's appearances. Now that I think about it, uh, mm-hmm. because I was a, a very big fan of Fantastic Four when I was a kid, uh, more than I was with the Avengers. And um, longtime readers of Fantastic Four know that uh, Ant Man and Cassie um, used to tool around, and I believe they were living in Four Freedoms Plaza at the time. So they were pretty tight with the FF, and uh, at some point recently during, well, somewhat recently, when Matt Fraction was writing the book, he had Scott Lang actually lead uh, the Fantastic Four when the original team members were away. Hmm. So he's always actually been pretty close-knit with that group, uh, even though, you know, when you think of Ant-Man, you almost immediately associate him with the Avengers, as you should, but um, yeah, yeah. But yeah uh, it's, it's also... Um, it also goes without saying. Well, goes with saying, obviously. Um, <laughs> duh. Duh. Uh, my my favorite uh, my favorite Ant-Man story has got to be when he fights uh, Taskmaster. Um, it's yeah, it's actually the debut of Taskmaster in Avengers one ninety six. Mm-hmm. Something ballpark around there. George Perez drawing the book. Very good stuff. Um, doesn't officially i don't think join the team until later but it's it's stuff like fighting taskmaster and and even teaming up with hawkeye where you get that that classic cover of him shooting ant-man on the tip of an arrow yeah that everybody really really loves um but it's it's like those two iconic things uh other than that i think 
maybe one of the more prolific uses of Ant-Man that I've seen, uh, and not in one single story, would have been in Jeff Johns' run on Avengers, where he's like, he's always he he was officially on the team for since uh, the Kang takeover thing that that Busiek finished off his run with, mm -hmm. um, but it was here that he really started a clash with Jack of Hearts. Mm. And you got to see a lot more of Scott and his, you know, custody battles with, uh, with his wife over Cassie, who is um, a young teenager at this point. Not quite a young Avenger, but you know, getting there. But getting there. Wait, did did uh, is Jack of Hearts? I didn't even realize that Jeff Johns wrote Avengers, which just oh, yeah. sounds, it's just fucking weird to me. He also wrote that really weird scene where you get to see what Hank Pym and Janet's sex life is like. Oh, with size changing, yeah, it's a it's a fairly infamous page if you if you haven't seen it yet. Um, I, in a word, I would describe it as moist. <laughs> so if you're uncomfortable with that, maybe you shouldn't Google. It. I'm I'm probably gonna Google that afterwards. <laughs> um, but did he use Jack of Hearts heavily? Yeah, he sure that, did. That makes sense. That's like a I don't know. That's like such a Jeff Johns move. Like that's what I love him for. But it's. It's so, like, stereotypical, like, oh, let's get this character that not a lot of people know and just, like, throw him in the big team. Throw him with the big leagues. Yeah. Uh, for a long time, Jack of Hearts was just kind of like this cosmic Avenger. Like, he would team up with uh, Captain Marvel's kid and yeah. Silver Surfer and just kind of generally be like, yeah, I'm a new hero, but, you know, I operate on a cosmic scale, so that's cool. Did Jeff Johns do Disassembled? He did not. He left the book. Oh, he left around that time. Right, right before that. Um... Bendis wrote Disassembled. Oh, so Bendis is just like, I'm going to undo everything Jeff Johns did. He's like, I'm going <laughs> to destroy the... Yeah, pretty much. He's like, I'm going to destroy this current version of the Avengers and throw Spider-Man and Wolverine on the team. Because that's what the people want. Yeah, that's what they want. And also Luke Cage and Spider-Woman. Okay. Now that I think about it, new Avengers had a lot of Avengers I really didn't want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't want Wolverine on another team. Like, no, thanks. I don't want a character who's supposed to be a lone wolf yes, in another team. Every team. Yeah. Oh, God. He's going to lose his reputation if he keeps that up. Um, yeah, those are interesting. Like, I really, really liked... Like, I I read a little bit of the new run of Ant-Man, which was, I thought was pretty cool. Oh, it's great. And, I mean, it's got Taskmaster in, the, what, the first issue, second issue? Uh, I think it's the second, I want to yeah. say. But it's, it's... Yeah. Well, yeah, I remember the first one was all about him trying to get a job. He's starting his own company. It's it's very cool, and, and it is, you know, very in line with, with the movie's sort of characterization of him. Yeah, well, that's obviously not, like, a, an accident. Oh, no, but, but in you know, in that same way, it's also true to the character in, in the history of his years as a, you know, in, in comics before the movie was really conceived. I mean, obviously, he's getting more uh, publicity. Yeah. Because of it, but you know, it, it's good to know that it, it it's a two way street with with how its character works. Like it's not a drastic change. Yeah. Well, something I want to say. I was going to save this for Thursday, but I don't think it, I'm going to get a chance to say it. Um, I think it's very interesting how before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, any slight variation in a hero's costume, origin, appearance, whatever, and all of like for me personally, all my alarms are like, whoa, that's not fucking it. What are you doing? Why are you changing that? And uh, I feel like the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies have just have just like negated that whole gut instinct. Like I went into this movie very accept accepting of the fact that Hank Pym is older. Yeah, and I actually enjoyed it because for me, before I, I saw it, to, it meant 
that we're going to see a lot more of a different generation of characters, not just from Peggy Carter, but, you know, in between Peggy Carter and Tony Stark, which I like hope they really expand upon. Um, In any case, uh, my favorite Ant-Man story, uh, everyone knows it. It's uh, irredeemable Ant-Man. I I just love that. I think it's awesome. I think, I, as everyone knows, love the characters who are like jackass scumbags, I would say, for lack of a better term. The kind of scumbag that would spy on Miss Marvel in the shower. Okay. It's just so, like, <laughs> it's the everyman, but, like, not in a good way. Uh, and listeners, uh, Irredeemable Ant-Man is a 12-issue series by Robert Kirkman and Phil Hester that came out in the early 2000s. And for those of you not in the know, uh, Kirkman is the writer and creator of The Walking Dead. And Invincible. And Invincible Another like pretty no solid Invincible. <laughs> well, I mean, comic book <laughs> fans know about Invincible, but like, you know. He's the Walking Dead guy. That's the yeah. guy. Yeah, he's, he's your guy. He's the Walking Dead guy. He's written Ant-Man. I, I, I appreciate how versatile he is in his writing, if you think about it. Sure. Like, yeah, he's really like riding that Walking Dead wave right now. But if you were to read Walking Dead and then read Invincible, they're completely different kinds of stories. And they're both well-crafted, in my opinion. And well-drawn. And well-drawn. Oh, absolutely. But Although we can, I'm, we can I'm thank more collaborators. of... Uh, yeah, like, you know, Walking Dead is a good art style. But I, the, what got me into it was the initial artist. Uh, Was it... Was it Adler who started it, or is he the no, one that's... Adler's on it now. Tony Moore, then. Yeah, Moore. I really yep. like Tony Moore's art style, and it worked well. And that's how, that's what got, got me into it, when they changed it, because he only did the first six issues. Right. So when they changed it, I was like, whoa, what the fuck? And then I was like, oh, okay. You know, it, this suits the book more. You know, it's funny, because Invincible had that, too. It started with Corey Walker, and then yeah. it went to Ryan Otley. But they, they had, like, a very similar style. Yeah. You know, like it changed a little bit. It's kind of like um, when Fred Flintstone's voice changed. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like it, they, you could tell it's different, but it's like not different enough to where it really bothers you. Sure. Uh, but The Walking Dead was such a drastic one because it went from uh, Tony Moore's like, very, like a lot of shading, you know, like black and white inking to just straight up like heavily inked art style. It was also a little more cartoony because I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure Tony Moore's the guy that drew Battle Pope. Yes, he does. <laughs> he does some other stuff too, uh, some more over the top. And I think he did some Agent Venom, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, he he did with uh, when Remender was on the book, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, he they did. made a Remender team up quite a bit because they did like an indie title that I can't remember the name of together. I'm pretty sure that Tony Moore drew that story where. Uh... In Agent Venom, where it was like the new Fantastic Four, but instead of like the old team, it was like Venom instead of Spider-Man, X-23 instead of Wolverine, okay. Red Hulk instead of Hulk. The new, new. Yeah, the, the new, new, <laughs> new Fantastic Four. Oh, God. Who was, who was uh, Human Torch then? Uh, it would have been Ghost Rider. And I think it was the female Ghost Rider that um, Jason Aaron made. Yeah. Around that time, who I don't think we've seen a whole lot of recently. I say that very disappointingly, but I haven't read any of it, so I don't know if it's good or bad. Oh, uh, it's it's a it's a pretty decent book. I mean, if if you like Flash Thompson, or if you want to like Flash Thompson, yeah. well, not Agent Venom. I mean, just uh, the female Ghost Rider. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, uh, I, re- but, I read a little bit of Agent Venom, a little bit. Yeah, let's let's swing back to Irredeemable Ant Man. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, 
and I totally understand why Greg loved this because I love it for the exact same reason. A uh, a shield agent gets his hands on an experimental size changing armor designed by Hank Pym, um, and pretty much does what your everyman would do given the ability to have superpowers and hide in plain sight. He he goofs off and tries to enter this world. But it's it's like he doesn't really try to enter the world though. It's funny because he didn't even like initially really want the Ant-Man suit. It was him and his buddy were char they had one job. They had to stand outside of a door and no one goes through the door. To where they have that whole like L uh, Abbott and Costello kind of bit where it's like, well, do people come out? Like, can I let someone out? Or am I keeping people from coming in? Or what's going on? So Hank Pym walks out and they tackle him and knock him out. <laughs> and it's like, oh my god, should I do that? And then it turns out they did a good job. Like, much later, they realized that it was actually uh, Hank Pym's scroll that they knocked out. Yeah, I guess by retcon <laughs> that would have been the case. That's yeah. funny. So, um, and it's at the, around the same time where S.H.I.E.L.D. captures Wolverine. So, oh, when like, he's possessed by, uh, he's brainwashed by Hydra. Yeah, so he takes down the, a whole helicarrier, hand. and they're goofing off. They're wearing the suit. So his buddy wears the, first, wears the suit first, and he's like, oh, look what I can do. And they shrink, and it's all a good time. And then uh, Eric, who is the irredeemable Ant-Man, Eric O'Grady, he puts it on. And when he puts it on, Wolverine's let loose, and he, like everything goes down. So Eric shrinks and kind of like gets cover. And when he, he gets knocked out, when he comes to, his buddy's dead and all that stuff. So he does what anyone would do and tries to sleep with his buddy's girlfriend. Classic irredeemable Ant-Man. <laughs> and he's, he just makes these terrible decisions. He's like, for me, that voice in the back of your head that's like, oh, you should totally do this. This is a good idea. And there's that other voice that's like, no, don't do that. So I would say like Hank Pym and Eric O'Grady are just like the two voices. The angel and the devil on yeah, your shoulder. They if you had literally are. And they would shrink and be there. And it's just like he just makes one bad decision after another. And, you know, you know, some spoilers. Towards the end of it, he does end up being not such a bad guy after he's learned the errors of his ways. But what I really liked is he tried to, like, steal things. And um, he eventually is like, no, I want to be a hero. So he joins the Wrecking Crew. Oh, yeah. Or not the Wrecking Crew. What's their name? It's, um, oh, come on, Brain. It's, uh, uh, it's not, my brain's not working. I don't remember. But he essentially um, joins this, like, C-list hero team. And they're like, oh, like, what's your name? And he doesn't want to say Ant-Man, even though his suit plays. Like, his suit looks more like an ant than any of the other Ant-Man suits. So if you haven't seen this, picture Spider-Man style. So he's got, like, the all red. He's got the bug oh, eyes. He, uh, and he has no, the no, no, no. It was, it was damage control. Damage control. That's what it was. It was yes. Yeah, the, the damage. It's not a superhero team. It's the people who clean up after superhero fights. But they're, like, they have their own powers. Um, I think they got Don't people they? who work. Like, like Hercules works for damage control. But I yeah. think the, uh, man, it's been so long since I read this. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, this is where he came up with the slaying mantis name. Yeah, right? exactly. So. Oh, it's so, it's so bad. So. So he goes, there you go, what's your name? And he goes, oh, the Slaying Mantis. And everyone's reaction, they have two reactions. They go, isn't that more of a supervillain name? A. And B, they go, then why is your suit red? Yeah. He's got nothing to do with being Mantis. <laughs> he goes, oh, red. Like, I remember vaguely his answers being like, oh, red's my favorite color. Or that's all they had left in the costume shop was the color red. It's the best. He's just terrible. And uh, he ends up being uh, best friends with 
I believe it was Felicia Hardy's dad, right? No, it, I think no? that's a that's a common misconception. Oh, um, wasn't it? I thought it's it was. the it's the 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 Black Fox. He um, that's I don't not actually. Her dad? No, they. I think they they juked around with that in the show. Unless I'm. Yeah, yeah I mean the old her dad cartoon. was like a like a famous cat burglar. Also a cat burglar. Yeah, and he was so famous that like Shield locked him up. Yeah, I remember that in the cartoon. But whatever. Uh, so he's best friends with like a you know like a a cat burglar who a just ge- a gentleman thief. Yeah, and he has that like that look to him too. The white hair. Or, uh, mustache, the whole Huge deal. Tom Selleck mustache, yeah. Yeah, and he ends up stealing his Wii. <laughs> <He does. laughs> they're they're hanging out on the couch, and then like by the end of the series, like Black Fox has just booked it, and he steals his Wii because what he thinks he's dead, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was just it was so good. I I spent way too much money on that graphic novel or the trade paperback, but I don't regret a penny of it. I tried collecting because I got into it later. I got into it maybe. F- Four years ago, I want to say. Okay. So it had already been out for a while and it was already collected. But I tried getting all the single issues because I thought that would be easier and I thought it would be cheaper. Oh, man. Well, I went to a couple cons, too, and I picked up like maybe three or four of the issues. So I got like a good chunk of them. But I just went to my local comic book shop and I saw the trade and I was just like, and I already read a couple of the issues. I was like, you know what? I got to like this needs to be complete. I need to finish the story. And I it. Again, I don't regret it. It's it was. I mean, it's my favorite Ant Man story thus far, and probably one of my favorite comic stories too. Yeah, O'Grady went on after his series ended to do a lot of other fun stuff. Like he joined the Initiative, and he got into uh, he got into a conflict with uh, Cassie Lang. Yep. Who at this point has been a Young Avenger for a little while as uh, stature. Yep. Um, and I, I love I love Cassandra Lang. I've liked her when she was a hero in her own right in like the Spider Girl universe, mm-hmm. where she's pretty much the leader of the Avengers as Stinger. Nice. Um, but but in uh, when they're on Camp Hammond, um, Eric is just being a total total jerk, and uh, he finds that his suit can grow. Also, as the, <laughs> the first time he discovered it, and he's he's like cracking some wise because I think Taskmaster's there as well, and he's talking about you know like the last Ant Man, and he's like, yeah, you know the guy before me was just some loser who was uh you know some some thief who thought he could join in the Avengers just by sneaking into their compound or whatever, and then Cassie's like, that's my dad you're talking about, and he's like, whatever, and he think he, he hit, I think I'm pretty sure he hits her with a bus. <laughs> And, uh, Sounds you know, right. yeah, you have these, these giant, I mean, Hank Pym ends up joining the fight too, like, cause yeah. they're, they're like squabbling and the taskmaster whips his shield around and he takes out all their ankles and they just collapse. Okay. It's like, it's like lesson one kids, you know, the bigger they are, the bigger the target. And I'm just <laughs> like, nice. Yeah. I mean that the, the initiative was a good, a good read as well. I mean, if you wanted to start a series about, you know, the lesser known characters that go through these major events. It was definitely yeah. worth it. I don't think I Any, finished it, but it's it is probably the best book to follow up after Civil War. Yeah, uh, I, th- I mean, other than Captain America, uh, for obvious. Uh, yeah, yeah. He totally gets shot. Reasons. <laughs> oh god. Um, but you know, uh, Scott has. Uh, I was gonna go back to to John's Avengers real quick too. Mm-hmm. Um, one of his real defining stories is is you know him and uh, and Jack of Hearts not getting along. Um. And it actually leads into a great story for Jack where he sacrifices his life to save his daughter. Mm-hmm. And from there, you, you really see, you know, for for as brief a moment as it is, you, you know, S- Scott's been a hero for a while, but he, like, he now understands, you know, the essence of sacrifice. 
Mm. And even though he himself dies not, you know, not much after that because of disassembled, you know, he's he comes back to life by way of time travel, and you know, he's he's really got a, an interesting head on his shoulders, uh, and also in the wake of his daughter dying, which yeah. is rough too. Uh, that was in uh, Avengers: Children's Crusade, which is great as well. Um, you know. Yeah, I never finished that. I read like I think half of it. Oh yeah, uh, you know, obviously, you know. Sorry about the spoiler. I guess. No, no, that's fine. I mean, but it, it's, it's been uh, what three, four years, maybe gosh. two. Um, Between two yeah, and four since Charles. It's say. it's it's such a it's such a, an interesting development for him to you know to see Jack sacrifice like that, then see his own daughter sacrifice herself, and he's just he's completely pulled out of the time stream, and it's like you know he he walks he gets his life back, but you know at what cost? Yeah. You know, and then he goes on to lead the FF and. Gets his revenge on Doctor Doom, which I have mixed feelings about, but it was it was done. I mean, about the way it was done, I mm. like that it was done. That they didn't just kind of hand wave. Oh, you know, you know, Doctor Doom, you know, is responsible for you know this murder, and yeah. you know, you know, we see we see Scott consumed by grief, but at the same time, it's like you know, is Ant Man really going to beat Doctor Doom? You know, at the uh, end of the day, you think? I but... don't know. The Adam can beat Dark Side. Oh yeah, hey, you know, I guess you're right. So I wouldn't count him out. It's like a like a bullet. That's it, man. He's <laughs> the tiny thing with man strength. <laughs> I was um, so I was super pumped when I saw the movie, and I was trying to describe it to my dad, who doesn't like he watches the comic book movies, but he just like watches them for entertainment, and that's about it. He doesn't care about the continuity. He doesn't care about like all of the intricacies that I really appreciate about it. So he goes, oh, that looks stupid. And I'm like, no, it looks awesome. And he goes, he just shrinks. It's stupid. And I was trying to explain that, like, yeah, he shrinks, but he keeps his strength. It's just in a smaller, you know, container. So it actually does more damage. And he just, like, looked at me like he didn't understand what I was saying. And then I said, like a bullet. And he got, kind of went, oh, okay. And then kind of, like, walked away. The tra- if the trailer didn't hammer that line home enough, it really makes for a great explanation to your old parents. <laughs> it really does. Uh, not one that they can fully grasp, but whatever. I uh, had to, uh, I had to explain it to people at work where they're like, what's so interesting about Ant-Man? I mean, he keeps his normal man strength at ant size. And I'm like, I'm like, just, you know what it is? It's like watching the Hulk fight just on a different scale. Yeah. That's it. He does the Hulk jumps, you know, he lifts up big stuff and throws it. Um, I mean, all stuff that you see in the trailer. So it's nothing, now, nothing crazy. Well, but... now does he... So this is what I didn't understand, and I, I want to kind of bring it back to you. Does he keep his strength as well in terms of what he can lift up, or does that kind of shift as well? Real, the, the way that pin particles have always worked is that you have your, your basic human strength. So you figure yeah. Scott Lang is a man of fairly average build. Let's say he's 5'10 and 160 pounds. Is that mm-hmm. too light? Maybe, uh, like maybe, 100, maybe 180. He's muscly. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, definitely a fit guy. Yeah. So, you know, 5'10", 180 pounds. Let's say he could maybe lift 300. Yep. Because he, he, he's, he's fairly fairly well trained. So you shrink down to the size of an ant, you can keep that strength. So you are half an inch tall, let's say. I think that's even being generous. You can yeah. lift 300 pounds at that size. At that point, it becomes a balancing act, though. Yeah, and then it's the same thing when, you know, like they say, when you have that much force exerted on such a small area, you know, it really does do a lot of damage. 
Ant-Man can mess up a guy real, real bad. If he's hitting with the entire force of his body, which he would be because he's doing a giant leap. Mm. You know? Yeah. And then if he grows, I mean, you know, obviously it's a Ant-Man, so we don't know if he can grow. We don't see him grow past, you know, a larger human size. We assume that maybe one day, hope one day, he may grow. But uh, at that point, his strength starts to scale up. So, like, Hank Pym at his biggest, you know, I guess maybe more than 60 feet. In Ultimates, it was 60 feet, but I, I'm pretty sure he could go bigger than that. He can lift about 50 tons. What if he just kept his proportionate strength? God, he, I don't think he'd be able to stand up. <laughs> it's like He's this just useless. He just topples over, <laughs> or, or like a breeze takes him. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's the whole uh, what the square cube law thing, which is what I guess nerds use to be like, that's why Hank Pym isn't cool. He doesn't keep his volume over his surface area. Blah blah blah. Now it's starting to sound like math class. Oh yeah, forget that. Hey. This guy controls ants and he punches stuff super hard at tiny size. Go watch that. <laughs> Do oh, it. I don't know. I know. The, are the hot chicks in it? I only watch things with hot chicks. So Yeah, well, it's definitely got one hot chick. It's got Kate from Lost. Yeah, you're right. And actually, yeah. Haley Atwell is kind of hot. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, for as brief as she's in it, sure. Yeah, sure. And, but hey. Oh, yeah. I thought... Um, Okay, minor spoiler for the movie. Uh, has anyone have you noticed? You saw Jurassic World, obviously, Casey. You yeah. notice it's the same mom. Yeah, that's weird. It's like just the summer of her. <laughs> I went to go see it with my buddy, and I I turned to look at him. I go, "Oh, dude, she's in this movie too." <laughs> oh, fancy running into you here. Yeah, right. Like, oh, she's, I guess you're a mom in both films. She's just gonna be typecasted as a mom from now on. She needs to be more typecast as um, Cheryl from Archer. Yeah. Like, I would just love to see her with live action just be like, oh, my God, why isn't there some big, strong man here who can choke me? <laughs> like, it would it would just be so perfect. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, anyways, on that note, Casey, that, that's that's time. Oh, come on. That's what we got. That's it. I mean, I guess this is supposed to be our tiniest podcast. This is supposed but... to be the tiniest podcast. We should have just left it. This is our tiniest podcast and scene. Yeah, and <laughs> roll credits. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, obviously, so... The whole point of these preview podcasts is to let everyone know that what we're going to be doing on Thursday, we're going to be covering Ant-Man. So go out and see it. Uh, come back to us on Thursday Night Live or listen on Friday uh, morning, hopefully this time. And it should be up on iTunes as well. Uh, feel free to also comment, say hi, do whatever you guys want to do. Just let us know what you like, what you don't like. We would like the feedback. So until next time, loyal listeners, uh, I remain Booster Greg. And Casey will remain on TV, just like in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Here, in your viewing box. So, yeah, viewers, we will see you next time, or we will see you never. Yes, I love when I get to the closer. Then it's, nailed it. It's we right. finally nailed it. We fucking <laughs> nailed it. All right, that's it.